Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, my name's Matthew Appleby and I'm the editor of Horticulture Week. This is a sponsored podcast for the Spirit of Four Oaks virtual show hosted this year at Horticulture Week. You can find it at horticultureweek.co.uk. Fargro, which is industry leader in supply of professional products for professional growers, landscapers and garden centres, is a platinum exhibitor at the event. Richard Hopkins is managing director and is also West Sussex Growers Association chairman. He's been active in campaigns to reopen garden centres during the coronavirus crisis, amongst other topical policy issues. Hi, Richard. Good to speak to you. Hello, Matt. Um, a few months ago, things were looking a bit um, a bit dark in the sector, uh, but you have um, been one of the uh, people at the forefront of, of campaigning, and um, that's been a huge success. So can you tell me about how it came about that you got so involved in the campaigning around the coronavirus crisis? Yeah, sure. As uh, everyone in horticulture, the the, the shock uh, of the lockdown was um, very immediate, uh, particularly with garden centres closing. And uh, very quickly after that, all the big uh, DIY sheds closed as well. So all the ornamental growers immediately lost their routes to market. And although the supermarkets did pick up a chunk of that as as the lockdown progressed, it was a dramatic uh, loss of business. And uh, in April, looking pretty bleak. We were also affected uh, because of the uh, the uh, the edibles market as well, the, uh, the the food services sector closing. So things were very difficult. Uh, but it became just very apparent early on that one of the, the apart from commercial risks to to Fargo and and all our customers. There was a, a, a mental health crisis brewing, which um, you know, has, has regrettably turned out to be very much the case, as we're seeing from the statistics now. And 
I felt we had to do something to campaign that garden centres as large, airy, open spaces uh, could very easily be made um, COVID safe and actually give somewhere uh, for people to go um, and uh, spend time in their, their gardens and uh, you know, sort of healthy activities. So that was really the, the background driver behind sort of the, the message we wanted to get across. So with the West Sussex Growers Association and, and uh, in individual members there, we started um, sort of campaigning and petitioning and um, all our local MPs. And the HTA um, sort of got on board pretty quickly um, and did a sterling. Uh, they, they got a, a proper PR agency. And the publicity was incredibly high, you know, in all the press and all the news channels, all the sort of TV magazines programs you know it was it was really from from their part and i'm very pleased that we're able to contribute to that i'd also want to make a special um note of thanks to as it happens he's our local mp um andrew griffith um uh, but he above uh, all mps really got involved in this because obviously it's a it's a key industry in, in the region where fargo are uh, so they really got behind the the, the message of getting gardens and um, got that message across into Whitehall. No, well, Andrew came top of our list of the most active politicians um, involved in the, in the crisis, and you were near the top of our list of most active industry people. But how big do you think the threat was to the growers within the West Sussex Growers Association and beyond, and, and how much have they recovered, do you think? The threat that uh, was apparent was... Existential. I mean, it could have wiped out massive chunks of the industry, uh, because unlike a, a you know a really bad spring, or, you know a, a terrible weather event, you you have a level of confidence of when that will be over and, and what life will be like afterwards. So some of them uh, were, were caught with with big losses because they specialise, of course, in um, uh, you know, spring planting, uh, and they. You can't hang on to plants forever, uh, and some of them had to make that decision were forced to make that decision very early. I think the recovery has been pretty good, um, from what I'm hearing. We get a we sense a lot of optimism in the industry. Uh, some will have had, a few will have had possibly their best trading year ever. Uh, others will have had a, a, an okay year, or even even a not very good year, like a you know a bad weather event. But the the optimism did come from the the feeling that garden centres would open at some point in, in May, even though there was absolutely no indication from the government until a week before, I think it was, Matt, something like that. You, you sort of picked up on some stuff quite early on that there were some dates suggested, maybe 11th, 13th of May and what was going to go on. But from the end of April, for sorry, no, probably the third week of April, in our business, we really saw growers stepping up and, you know, we could see they must have been, they're planting, potting up, that kind of thing, because of what they were buying from us. They'd made that decision. You know, they've, they've been going for broke at that stage. And, I, you know, you have to on their resilience and fortitude because that was a gamble. Fortunately, it paid off. No, indeed. And, and there have been some um, advantages that's come out of this. Um some of the uh, businesses involved have diversified their paths to market. And obviously, there's a lot of new gardeners around. I mean, you, you have um, 
done more online um, and that's happened across the industry and that has attracted new gardeners in. Do you, what, what do you think this will mean in, in 2021? Do you think that will continue? I hope so, yes. Um, I think it will continue. Um, obviously, lots of businesses are um, you know, trying to plan for next year and what's going to happen. I think the the new gardeners uh, who have come into, you know, to, to enjoy their garden. And um, what was the stat? I think the HTA came up with this, and like three million um, new gardeners. But hopefully, it'll give the, the growers enough of a boost next year to to bring them back up, because a lot of them will be carrying more debt. Uh, they were able to take out the the Sybil um, scheme loans, and um, you know it's. So it changes the profile of, of a business when you're you're suddenly carrying debt that you've got to pay off over the next five or six years. And I know there was a, a long campaign to to get that to be paid off over ten years for horticulture, but the 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 upswing online sales and the new entries into horticulture are, are all good news. We can't see it as anything other than positive, and we have to gear up production in this country so it doesn't just suck in imports from uh, from the Netherlands. That's the big debate at the moment about uh, Brexit and imports. That's where things are moving on, on to. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a contradiction between UK growers and suppliers wanting imports, but at the same time wanting more home production. So where do you think that's, that's going? What are you hearing from from, uh, from government and from you know the trade bodies? We're hearing, uh, obviously, it's been announced that there's going to be no uh, UK side inspections until the end of July at the earliest, which is obviously very good news for um, you know, highly perishable crops like uh, young plants coming in. But of course, there will be phytosanitary checks, which are um, possibly stronger than they, they have been previously. So I know there's a, a fair amount of nervousness about that. So it depends on how well that ends up being executed. Um, at the moment, everyone's just working on the assumption that they will be able to get plants. Um, it's unknown what the impact on some of the plants that come from hotter countries, because a lot of very young plants come out of there initially. I've, I've not heard any anyone ringing alarm bells, so I think most growers will, will find that their, their supply chain is okay. No, that's good news. Um, now, September is traditionally show season, but not this year. But you are um, closely involved in spirit of four oaks and uh, other shows too but um it is tricky promoting new products this year so how are you going about that it is it's, it's a it's a challenge isn't it um so we have we're doing a lot more of the virtual stuff and, and with the spirit of four oaks um we've actually just uh two days ago i think we we released our new video a, a video of our showroom um, we've always had the showroom, um, and you know its purpose is that growers can bring uh, their retailers to our showroom. They can have it to themselves. They can spend time decide exactly what decorative pots, planters, baskets um, they're going to grow in um, for the following season. The the point of the video is to make it make more people aware that that facility is available, uh, and we want to encourage as many people to come to that as possible because the 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 challenge is that. There's only so much you can do virtually. You know, people do want to touch and feel these things and see what they're what they're like. It would be interesting next year when I hope the the, the trade shows will actually happen. You know, in in real life, that um, our marketing costs are actually will go up because we'll have to support 
a physical show and a virtual version of it as well at the same time. Wow. Okay. No, well, let's... Uh... To be uh, to be seen, see what happens next year on that one. Uh, one other issue that's come up uh, recently is uh, the AHDB, the Levy Board, and there's some uh, people balloting um, basically against the Levy Board, wanting to get rid of it in horticulture. Um, what's your view on that? Uh, we we speak within the West Sussex Growers um, about what uh, what the expectations are from the AHDB, and we sort of put out a note. Uh, which you were sort of kind enough to um, uh, put in Hort Week last week, because uh, obviously there's the there is now um, uh, an announcement. I think all the right noises are coming out of AHDB. Uh, our, our position um, is that we we know the requirement for a reliably funded body, um, and and they must be there with a remit to sponsor and lead effective research programs. We need someone who's going to be take responsibility in the lead on knowledge transfer, and it's all going to be done for a, you know, a for fair value. It's got to be um, cost effective. The, I can understand some of the complaints against AHDB because the the, the raw figures you know, their their income is not going up, but appears their overheads are going up. So there's lots of things to point at and complain. But I think it would be very unfortunate if we threw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there are improvements to be made, and I think there is, although there was a the um, the, the DEFRA review, which was two years ago now, um, took ages to come through. I don't know what the delays were. I don't think it was very well executed, but all the noises that are coming out now suggest they are they do want to continue that dialogue and they they do want to make changes. And perhaps importantly for AHDB is they actually understand that all very different from the other sectors that they they represent and they can't all be lumped together with a, with a, a shared uh, strategy we'll see what happens um it, it we wait with anticipation indeed we do um one of the um New story that came up this week was Morrison's bought um, an ornamental nursery in Spalding called Lanson, um, and this is the first time I've heard of something like that happening. Do you, do you think there's an interest there from big business in in um, investing in in British nurseries at the moment? Do you, do, you, do you see money coming in now? We're looking at Brexit. That's unusual. I mean, there's certainly money going into um, uh, into British nurseries, not necessarily ornamental, uh, but food production most certainly. That we see uh, city money coming in, um, very much sort of chasing the, the sort of the carbon credits and the you know, the, the environmental good, the, the, um, the positioning um, glass houses next to uh, waste heat, and whether it's from sewage outlets or um, or power stations, that kind of thing. There, there is definitely money available for that. Very interesting move by Morrison's to um, have a sort of uh, vertical integration like that to start to take control of. A supplier, but if you look at it in the context of um, a long tradition of supermarkets owning farms, uh, I suppose it's a logical extension of that. So, do you think, Richard, there'll be more um, nurseries getting investment from supermarkets, or is this a one-off? Do you reckon? I'd, I'd like to think there would be. Um, I, I haven't heard any plans. I, I, I understand that um, some of the supermarkets are. Uh, investing in uh, their plant areas 
uh, with, a, with an anticipation that they will um, seek good sales in, for next spring and summer. So it, it's been recognised as a, a core part of their businesses now, uh, which is can only again can only be a good thing. I think the the having more competition in in um, plant sales, I don't think we should be nervous of as an industry. I think it's um, the more people that are exposed to plants being available, uh, the better. And there are there are I imagine many millions of people who regularly go to supermarkets who would very rarely go to a garden centre. So I don't think you, we, we should be nervous that it cannibalises um, existing sales, but I, I think it gives the garden centres an opportunity to to up their game and, and add extra value because, of course, they will have people there who can give advice and have experience of, on, on the plants and the, the planting required and all that kind of thing, where the supermarkets won't. Uh, so, you know, I think we, we will see more investment coming in. It's just interesting the supermarkets are making that move now. Um, looking ahead, uh, you've got new product development coming out this month, but obviously there's legislative changes around some of the products which you already sell. Um, you, you're obviously big on um, crop protection and new ways of, of doing that. So what have you got that's new and what have you got that's kind of under threat, which you're having to change? The Products, the crop protection products, these sort of traditional chemistry ones are always under threat. Uh, and the, the, the lists that come out of um, CRD um, each month are just huge. Um, there's, there's no uh, imminent threat to a sort of key horticultural product at the moment. Um, obviously, everyone's aware of the, the, the threat hanging over glyphosate, uh, which of course would be devastating for agriculture, but um, less of an impact for horticulture. Uh, the we do have uh, new products. We we try and uh, we we have a, a good pipeline. Uh, our challenge is the the time it takes to get these to market, and uh, which can be from the point of view we have a product ready to go. Um, it can be at least five years before uh, the product is actually marketable, um, and that's a that's a problem. You know, it's we sometimes you can lose a product and, and then not have a replacement for some time. Um, we've just launched um, uh, Tegro, uh, which is a uh, biofungicide. Um, th- that was uh, our launch, and that was in the last few weeks. So we we try to keep things coming all the time. You know, we'll never we'll never sit on something for the optimum launch time because growers do have a demand. They're waiting for things to come onto market. Uh, with, with other product areas. Um, it's a constant evolution. The, the move, the, the customer-driven move away from from plastics, uh, is is key. So um, we're seeing more use of uh, sort of pulp paper trays, plant trays, uh, rather than the, uh, the the plastic ones, and the, the shift to uh, easily recyclable grower pots, which are the the grey and the taupe-coloured ones, rather than the black. Um, it's is almost universal now, not not completely, but uh, pretty much all growers are making that move. And where some of these products are more expensive, because the production cost is more expensive, the there is a just a gentle shift. It's not it's, it's not revolutionary, but uh, the the retailers are seeing uh, those sort of uh, eco friendly and sustainable attributes um, as being a uh, a sale, a sellable attribute, uh, you know, a quality that um, uh, they can pass on to the, to the customer, to the consumer, uh, and so 
they're able to pass those costs on. We're not talking about tremendous amounts, but you know, it's, it's a, a few pence here and there. Whereas um, a year or so ago, there was there really was a reluctance um, that there could be any increase in the cost to the to the consumer. Uh, all the cost had to be borne by the grower, uh, which makes these things untenable. The growers work on pretty tight margins anyway, uh, and they can't they can't afford to be have additional costs simply because they're trying to do the right thing. Thanks, thanks for that, Richard. Eloquently put as ever. Um, but I, I just want to finish up by asking you. What are your main hopes and fears for the industry in 2021 after such a roller coaster year this year? I think probably the first thing is the weather still. I think that can have a bigger impact than everything else. Uh, but there's nothing we can do about that, so we can't spend time worrying. Uh, we've, we've still got Brexit to, nav- to navigate, and we've still got to um, uh, resolve the, the plant uh, the phytosanitary regulations which are are changing um becoming more onerous um, not necessarily more effective but certainly more onerous and so these are all additional costs and, and risks to the business uh and i guess because of um uh whatever the outcome of the, the final negotiations on brexit will be the exchange rate uh has has an impact because it could uh make imports a lot more affordable even even if a tariff were applied they could still work out cheaper if the exchange rate goes too far the wrong way. And um, it can make some input, input costs uh, grow faster than, uh, than inflation would normally expect them to grow if, if the exchange rate is too extreme. So those are things I think we, would, we need to be prepared for, um, but there's only a certain amount we can do. They're, they're largely out of, out of our control. And um, are there any areas where you think, you know, there will be areas of growth? We, I mean, we've mentioned the, the online sales, but uh, yeah. what, what are your big, big hopes? I think the, I think the, the, the growth, the opportunities, is, as we discussed earlier, is more people coming into caring about their gardens. And whether that's in a big way or small way, you know, it, it's, it's all potential sales for the, for the sector. Uh, and the, uh, the stats that I'm seeing of how people are likely to continue shopping online uh, next year, even with garden centres open and even with supermarkets scaling up their their offerings. Uh, growers and uh, retailers and companies like Fargrow need to be absolutely prepared to take advantage of online sales uh, and make sure that we can deliver that efficiently. And, and companies have done a tremendous job on that. Uh, some tripped over themselves because of the the, the overwhelming demand, um, which you can't immediately scale up to, but I think people will be sort of positioned and poised, ready to take advantage. Uh, and on a much smaller scale, the, the, the small independent growers um, who did pretty well out of home deliveries um, over the, the, uh, the spring and summer period, which we were very keen to support at Fargrow just locally in West Sussex with um, Facebook and, and other social media. Uh, I think they'll continue to do that. I think if, if they can do that in a controlled way, it will be a profitable part of their business and uh, uh, an additional additional revenue stream for them. Well, that's a positive note for the future. Thanks very much, uh, Fargrow's Richard Hopkins, who's been speaking to Matthew Appleby at the Horticulture Week podcast. Thank you for downloading this Horticulture Week podcast. For more podcasts, the latest breaking news and industry-leading analysis, please visit horticultureweek.co.uk.
This Horticulture Week podcast was produced and edited by Christina Taylor. For more podcasts, Horticulture Week news, analysis, exclusive industry reports, insight and data, go to horticultureweek.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.